Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. This is episode number 184, and it's a somewhat special episode of The Sleeper and the Bust, because joining me back from a mini hiatus is none other than Jason Collette. Jason, glad to have you back. How are you? It's a Christmas miracle. I made it back. <laughs> I am, uh, I'm probably rushing back off the disabled list. I think it was about this time last year. When I was running the ship that I got really sick, listeners may remember that. Well, that same crap came back around this time, times three. And uh, it's been seven days, and this is easily the best I have felt and sounded uh, in a week. I I hope it does not visit your kingdoms, uh, for those of you people listening. But man, this has been, it's been rough. Good news is, is I've lost eight pounds because I can't eat much. So (laughs) that works. I'm, I'm trying to keep a positive spin on this. Uh, and the great thing is they gave me a bunch of medicine that was supposed to help, and it made me an insomniac. Uh, so I caught up on a lot. Uh, I started watching Californication. I've never seen that show. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start watching this. I am now 29 episodes in, so I have made significant headway into that series. But other than that, uh, yeah. How you been? Ooh, well done. Well done. Well, myself, I've been I've been okay. Um, and I... I before you told me that this was that it was illness that had caused you to stop eating, I might have guessed that it had something to do with uh, I don't know watching the Redskins. Or, they beat the Eagles. How much? Which is cry? This is true. And then uh, maybe you got your appetite back last night. Uh, but and and then I thought maybe it has something to do with all the players leaving the Rays. But uh, you know, I mean, they got some interesting players back, and we certainly have a lot to talk about out there. Uh, yes, me, they did. Me myself, I've just been sweating through. Perhaps the it's I want to uh, take an opportunity to to go a little uh, away from hyperbole, which seems to be a pretty popular thing in this day and age in our society. And instead, just say it's probably in the top 10 of most pathetic fantasy football finals that I'm sweating through. Uh, So that's pretty much all that's going on for me at this moment. And without further ado, I think it's time to talk a little bit about the baseball news, because I think what is on everyone's minds for the past few days, I, I mean, I'm, I'm refreshing on the news wire like every five minutes to see where has Jung Ho Kang ended up, right? Right? Because somebody, yeah, no somebody won that bid. <laughs> okay, okay. Watch, Oakland. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, what a crazy last few days uh, of, of transactions. I mean, Friday was insanity. I mean, it was, it was better than any, any, uh, any of the winter meetings days, but Friday was absolute insanity. It's like every five minutes, as soon as you finish looking up, uh, a tweeting a reaction to a San Diego Padre trade, they made another one. You're like, wow, I can't wait. And they make another one. And they make another one. It was like, Oprah, you get a trade, you get a trade, you get a contract. And But good times. If you're a Padres fan, you got to feel good. It's, it's a little better than uh, what you're used to. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the, the quantity of star power that they have acquired – uh, in relation to any of the star power they've had in, I don't know, the last two decades is like 100 to 1, something in that neighborhood. It's going to be interesting. And so briefly, I want to just t- touch on a couple of pieces of news. We know that Nick Marcakis finally had the neck surgery. To me, that is that is a, that is a concern. That's something I'd be worried about. And Jason Kipnis had surgery on his ring finger. He's supposed to be ready well in time for spring training. That's something I'm not worried about. Do you feel any differently about those things? 
why do I feel like this is the second time that he's had surgery on that hand? Uh, I think it. I think it is. But I mean, uh, I mean, this was just like a broke, some kind of minor break or fracture or something like that. I mean, this is supposed to be healed, you know, in in, uh, in the span of several weeks, and of course that should put him well within a time frame of it in advance of spring training. So yeah, I mean, I'm not terribly concerned about injuries this time of year, but I feel like this is not the first time that he's had surgery on his hands. And yeah. I know, I mean, he does kind of sit close to the plate. So this that is, you know, is that's something to look at. He does kind of sit close to the plate. Um, but I'm looking through his injury history right now. Um, abdomen, thigh, neck, elbow, elbow, abdomen, lower leg, thigh, thigh. So no, it's not a second time with the sand. Okay. But, and, but I mean, obviously hit by pitches, things like that. I mean, you had to be, I, I could understand a little concern. The Marquecas thing concerns me simply because, I mean, he's not supposed to be approaching 100%, I guess, till some sometime in mid to late February, and then it becomes an issue of, I'm, I'm sure the Braves will, will back off him a bit and stuff. Like, I mean, I could see a p- potential slow start. It's a new environment, new team, stuff like that. You never know. But, uh, and then, I mean, he's had some issues with the back and neck before, so. It's well, what's the rush with the Braves? I mean, you look at our, our latest, you look at the latest steamer projections, the Braves are picked to finish just ahead of the Phillies. <laughs> what's the, if you just gave this guy... And I, didn't, I wasn't crazy. I wasn't crazy about the 444 deal that Atlanta no. gave this guy in the first place. It didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, it really in a vacuum, it really doesn't. I mean, yes, they're trying to play for a, a bigger picture, but I didn't like the deal. And and once they said, "Oh yeah, we knew he was going to have the surgery," and yes, still gave him something at market value, you're a more brave. You're a braver person than I am. Yeah, especially uh, so, if you knew yeah, you were going to be tra- this. trading all these other big name pieces, or at least one big name piece away. And you're still trying to give away Chris Johnson and B.J. Upton. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, they, I think the Braves at this point, they sound like they're approaching uh, a state where they are resigned to the fact that they will not be trading B.J. Upton just because no one will take him. Uh, but uh, they they definitely are not necessarily finished uh, if they can move some other things around. Uh, but And I do want to start with, with the Padres as far as, like, the big team picture here, the uh, they have acquired Justin Upton, Will Myers, and Matt Kemp. And unless they int- – uh, the, the thing that – and I, I saw us a little bit made of this, uh, but the thing that has to uh, – Matt Kemp, the deal is finalized this week. So, And that's, that's actually – I mean, that only added to the news because we weren't sure of all the prospects necessarily involved in the Matt Kemp trade or the Jimmy Rollins trade, which we talked about on the last program, because – those deal, uh, the Kemp deal was held up, and then uh, that held up the Rollins deal because there was a prospect involved in that one. So we do know the names in that. That just added to the flurry of things going on in the past three days. But now the Padres don't have a center fielder, at least, uh, uh, well, besides Cameron Maven, uh, who is certainly not a starter with this group in town. Myers appears to be kind of the front runner for playing time in center field. Uh, Kemp is certainly at this point, I don't think a reliable center fielder at all, but these other two are kind of minuses. I mean, these guys collectively make up kind of a minus in their corner outfield spots. So this is, and this is a pretty spacious outfield. Does this cons- like the, fr- as I started thinking about this, I thought, how does this affect San Diego Padres pitchers? Because the, Granted, uh, there's been a move somewhat toward uh, ground ball issuance from Padres pitchers, uh, and a number of them tend to do that. But uh, it's still a place where there's no fear of giving up fly balls. And to some degree, I think that that has to be affected a little bit. Uh, Does this concern you as far as the outcomes for Padres pitchers just a little? 
Um, yeah. I mean, when you look at, it really depends on which one of these, which versions of these guys are going to show up. I mean, I, we've heard that Will Myers is probably going to play center field by default. And, and that's scary. I mean, that's the thing about, well, we'll get more to the, the other side of Will Myers. But frankly, the defensive abilities that were talked about when he was coming up in Kansas City, when he was traded to Tampa Bay, when he was coming up in Tampa Bay, none of that ever came to fruition at the Major League roster. He takes questionable routes to balls. Everybody remembers the whole uh, dropping, the, letting the fly ball drop in Fenway during the playoffs kind of thing. Um, the, the throws, I mean, for a guy that was been graded like a 65-ish arm, yeah, I never really saw that play out too well in games. I, I wasn't crazy about his accuracy uh, and the way he got behind throws. So center field, I was I was never comfortable watching him play right field last year. And now you can tell me he's going to play center field uh, in San Diego uh, in an outdoor stadium, mm-hmm. the kind of thing when he's when he when he's used to if he's done anything. I think he played it one time for Tampa Bay. I'm not crazy about the defensive alignment, but at least you, you know as well as anybody, the air is really thick there, and the fly balls kind of stay up, mm-hmm. and the park plays to it. So I mean, they can go get it, but if they're going to hit, if they hit to their potential, you know, they're, yeah, they're going to lose a couple of games because of it, but they're going to win a couple of games because of this lineup they have now. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a good point. As far as the outcomes for the Padres, that's not a bad point, and. Uh, so they, the Padres probably you have to view them as a little bit better candidates for wins than they were previously. I mean, well, it, a lot of this, of course, is to be determined. But and then, of course, now they they've also acquired. I mean, at, speaking in a vacuum, or as far as their fantasy values, Upton, Myers, Kemp. I mean, you be you, you tend to take this approach. Okay, the their the move to Peco Park is not a great one for fantasy value. But I mean, the reality is is all three of them are coming from parks that were not favorable for hitters anyway. And uh, right, uh, even especially for right-handed power for a couple of them, Kemp especially, um, uh, and, and Upton coming from Atlanta, which is actually, I mean, a depressed power even a little more than I had realized. So th- I don't think that's necessarily a huge deal. And left field is probably somewhat close to uh, – league average, I guess, as far as power production goes for, in Peco Park. So, I mean, rea- reality is it's not probably a huge deal. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I'm not really concerned about – I mean, the, these it's guys just, obviously have the power hit? to hit anywhere. Will yeah, they I mean, they've obviously they have the power healthy? to hit anywhere. Right. And, you know, they have the power to hit anywhere. Uh, it's just a matter of can they can they make up for their differences. I mean, you look at Justin Upton, a lot of his damage last year came early in the season. He got off to amazing start. And then really cooled off from the June 1st on. We're talking about a guy who hit 254 with a 765 OPS and 39 extra base hits, 16 of which were home runs. That's kind of where I feel his floor should be with San Diego. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, he should do better than that, but that's kind of like where I feel where his floor is. Um, with with Matt Camp, obviously, staying healthy is going to be a huge part of this and seeing where he can go. But I, I'd have no problem with – I have no, um, I'm not uncomfortable saying he's going to hit 20 or more home runs. He's going to hit over – uh, 280. Uh, it's Will Myers is honestly the true wild card because when you look at what, if you look back at the postseason in 2013, mistakes, pitchers started to approach him differently. Bust him inside, get him a chase away because he, he opens up his hips a lot to try to pull and hit. I mean, when he when he hits something on the inner half, he, he can hit it hard. Problem is he was opening himself up to that and then he started struggling with fastballs. I mean, you go back and look uh, Jason Hanselman, uh, uh, Doc of the Rays, is a Rays blog, and he wrote a very lengthy piece on this, looking at the struggles that 
that Will Myers had with fastballs last year. I highly recommend going to find that piece. You can look at it and see the kind of struggles that he was having. And But he had those all year long. It's not like he, he wasn't making adjustments. And then we're talking with some of the guys that I know around the team. Uh, you know, I heard that uh, from a couple other people that coaches were frustrated with him because they, he wasn't listening to them. It was kind of like your teenager. You know, when, you're, when your dad or mom is lecturing you and you're staring off into space thinking about something else, that was Will Myers. They had players, you know, Longoria, Zobris, two of the big vets on the team, guys that have been with that franchise. Zobris since 2005 when he was traded with Aubrey Huff. Uh, Longoria since 2008 when he was called up. David DeJesus has been in the league a long time. Tune these guys out. You're like, okay, if you're not going to listen to coaches and make improvements, you're not going to listen to your teammates to make improvements, who are you going to listen to? If it's yourself, you need to stop listening to yourself because you're not getting it done. And I think that's when you looked at it, when I heard that he was on the trade block, it just kind of brought these things together, these comments that I had heard all throughout the season when I was still in Tampa Bay before I moved. And the word I kept getting is sense of entitlement. That was the phrase that people kept mm. using. And then that became into uncoachable and doesn't listen. And then you see, you hear all those emotions and then you hear, why in the hell is Will Myers on the trade block? Then it all came together. It's like, okay, they don't like, they don't, you look at him and say, okay, is this guy, do they have, do you have faith in this guy making the necessary adjustments to get it done at the big league level? And clearly their answer was no. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up, that up because, and, my reaction to uh, well, I'll just I say I mean I, I saw some reaction to some people who are familiar with the Rays organization and, and, and Rays players and specifically Myers and and reaction uh, people I saw on social media that I know know baseball and things like that and and they were like well you know good luck to the Padres with Myers I think he's a bust and da da da, da. and I'm like wow that seems like a really I mean this is one year you know like uh, but. I'm glad you also brought that other stuff because I thought how much how much of this these struggles and how much of his lack of adjustments and and to bring up this insight I think is really beneficial because I mean it, there is the the Padres have their work cut out for them with Myers mm-hmm. like it's not a done deal that he's so I mean this is gonna be and and that is going to factor into his fancy value I mean I think that I mean you can't you can't automatically look at this I mean he was being drafted as like a top fifty player in mixed leagues this past oh yeah I spent twenty three bucks on him and Tout Wars. I get it. Yeah, yeah. So he's he is far from that. Uh, and if uh, if people kind of want to assume that he's even like a top 100 player, I think that that's a pretty risky bet. I mean, there's certainly some upside. So we we uh, we we you have to, you have to factor that in when you start bidding on a player like Myers. Yeah, but I mean, absolutely. I mean, there's a couple things. There's two incidents. I think one everybody's very familiar with when he won the Rookie of the Year and they brought him on MLB Network and his hair looked like he had just had a swirly done to him. Um, <laughs> you know, that's just not what you do. And he tweeted out later, like, throwback Thursday, rookie mistake, live and learn. I'm like, you don't do that. I mean, that kind of it, it, it uh, is something a lot of people couldn't get out of their heads. And then he made a comment towards the end of last season saying, you know, I came to camp in 2013 trying to win a job. I came to camp this year feeling the job was mine. And I didn't put in the necessary work. You're like, dude, this is your second year. I mean, the sophomore slump thing, you can debate about the legitimacy of the theory, but there's a reason why people talk about it because there are a lot of guys that crap the bed in their second year of the season. And I mean, I talk about the fastball struggles. I mean, this is what Will Myers did last year against in 2013 against fastballs, 344 batting average, 998 OPS. Last season, 256 and 716. That's a tremendous drop off on fastballs. 
And that, I mean, that's supposed to be your bread and butter. If you can't hit that, you're not going to be a good major league hitter. No. And that's an adjustment. That's where he really makes the adjustment. The thing is, it's not like they're saying, hey, you know, he can't hit fastballs. Let's get him to chase. Let's get him to chase. They're just throwing it over the outer half of the plate. And, and that's this- the thing. That's it. They're, they're just throwing it over the outer half of the plate and daring him to not try to pull the ball. And we- he can't. We will we will certainly get a better idea of whether Myers uh, will make adjustments to handling fastballs because he should see them a little more often in the move to the National League as well. Um, that it's going to be it's going to be an interesting adventure. I think. I mean, I I'd be much more apt to invest in either of the other two San Diego. And and you, I think you throw on top of that the fact. And this is I believe I read this correctly. So Myers has played I think ten major league games total in center field. Is actually what I saw the total, and then like, and, and around a hundred in the minors. I mean, those are the the two numbers, and so I mean, that's it's not a great number. It's not it's not terrible. So he's sure. he has the experience, and like you said, there's but he is so far giving you the impression that uh, he has not lived up to, to some of the scouting evaluations of his fielding ability. And now I think the combination of we need to see him make the adjustments to hit major league fastballs, especially in the outer half, consistently, and not be you know make adjustments. Period, because that's that's something he's going to need to succeed against. And then there's also potential mental adjustments with the the, the fielding. I mean that 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 can certainly be a factor. We've seen it affect some players. Um, right, and I mean frankly, with him, the one thing if you're somebody who likes to sit down and watch spring training games, if you if you're going to watch anything with Will Myers, focus on his hips. If those hips are opening up and, st- and, and bailing out and are not in rhythm with his upper half, so if his hips are wide open and he's dragging the bat through, that's what he was doing last year. He's got to be able to uh, – and Steven Souza, one of the guys that Ray's got, yeah, that's one of the guys when you look at it, he's a little different. But with Will Myers, what always stood out is something that I wrote about the process report a couple of times – Hips would fly open, and then he could not cover the outer half. And so he was just getting eaten alive on fastballs on the outer half of the zone, not even out of the strike zone, just the outer half of the plate. He couldn't do anything with him. And, I, and I'm, you know, I'm glad you mentioned, I mean, and this, so, and just as much when you talk about Myers in spring training and you look for those things, paid, this is a player you want to pay absolutely no attention to the results because. Uh, pitchers are not going to be, appro- they're, not, they're not going out with a plan of attack against him like they would in the majors and like the, with the scouting report, they're just, you know, they're getting their pitches in just as much as he's getting in his at bats. And it's a matter of, so it, 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 a, a lot of what you can tell about Myers heading into next season uh, will be just about, you're going to have to be an amateur scout or have to read some information on that. I think that's, that's the kind of information we should be looking for on Myers coming into next season. Has he made, is there some physical proof that he's made some adjustments Right. I mean, obviously the wrist a little bit last year, you can't write that off. You can write that off about the the inability to hit with power. But just take all that out. If you didn't, if you were to watch him at the plate last year and not even know about the wrist, you would see a guy that was trying to just take everything on the inner half, couldn't do anything on the outer half. We talked about this with Longoria last year. There was a point where Longoria was doing the exact opposite, was doing everything away and couldn't do anything in. And then he said, okay, you know what? I'm going to shoot the outer half of the plate. And I'm going to take a similar kind of approach. It, but he was able to handle the fastballs in the inner half because it's something that was always been his bread and butter. He got back to that, but then he gave up the outer half of the plate, and pitchers made the adjustment. That's why he cooled off towards a lot of part of the season. He ended up having a slugging percentage below 400 for the first time in his career. Mm-hmm. And now, <clears throat> uh, touching on Myers, we we've known. I mean, if you if you look back a couple of years ago, and obviously a lot of there seemed to be there was more sentiment that. The Padre, or that the uh, 
uh, Rays got the better of the end of the deal when they when the Myers for Shields um, mm-hmm. Davis, and obviously that you know in hindsight. I mean, this is why I think I, I never judge. I, I basically I never try to judge a trade complete. I mean, I, I know I would never be like, oh man, they're crazy, they're stupid. This is never going to work out for them because I, I I will never write off. And because of outcomes like this, I mean that that trade, even that, that time, that trade to me looked a lot more even than I thought people reacted to it. And so far, it's worked out very much in Casey's favor. And now we see that Tampa Bay has probably started to discover something similar, and they've probably gotten a, an okay haul considering that they wanted to jump out. But it makes me wonder about some of the other players the Padres got, namely Derek Norris. I mean. Forget the the hitting environments and all that, but I mean, this is a player. Now, I think he made some great progress uh, against right-handed pitchers uh, this past season, but I also think like the A's have this, you know, they've they've made this habit of stocking up on catchers and deploying them certain ways and never never overworking them and things like that. And I feel like the A's knew how to get they slowly massage the most out of Norris. Norris Norris comes to San Diego. He's not great defensively. Uh, he might be even kind of he might be below average, but at least he's not a very, he's a below average pitch framer. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's something that both Padres catchers last season excelled at. And this is another thing that makes me concerned about Padres pitchers going forward. Is I mean AJ Preller has been very aggressive, but he's also brought in some players on offense. Uh, and defense that don't necessarily benefit his pitchers. And that's been the bread and butter of what made San San Diego successful. Norris is another guy. And I, then I also wonder how this is going to affect him hitting wise, because he's basically just going to be like the guy who catches five days a week and not just the guy that Oakland deploys the way they know how to deploy him. You know, I had that conversation on, uh, on Saturday with, uh, with the guys at Rotowire on the, on the radio. And we looked at it and I said, you know, if Derek Norris, he's never had more, I think his highest plate appearance total in the season has been 442. So if you're going to tell That's me this not guy's bad. a 500, yeah, but if you're going to tell me this guy's right. now a 520, a 520 plus plate appearance catcher who cannot hit right-handed pitching, you're saying you're saying he's your stud, he's your he's your everyday guy, he's your yeah, Yachty, he's you're saying he's your Yadi Molina, and I I think I I do think he can hit right-handed pitching. I don't think it's all styles of right-handed pitching, but I think in general, like I said, I think he made some he real got a progress. Two oh eight against it. Yeah, but he's he made some real progress this past season against them, just in his in his approach. And I think he had some nagging injuries that kind of came along with all the playing time this past season. But that also factors into can he handle the full season thing again and the way the A's handled him. I mean, there's a lot of question marks here. But yeah, overall yeah. and overall, yeah, I agree. Like, there's still there's still something you have to doubt about his ability to hit right hand pitching, at least enough to make him the everyday guy. So. I mean, they, they weren't really any worse off with uh, necessarily with like a Rene Rivera and or Yasmani Grandal, who is, I mean, we, we've already talked about him in the program a little bit. Just, you know, you know, loves, he already liked him this bit, this, this coming season. And now he likes him a little more now that he's in LA and it, it's a good opportunity for him. But uh-huh. uh, uh, it's as far, <laughs> there's, there's opportunity in San Diego for a lot of guys and Norris in theory is one of them, but I, I don't like this move overall. I, and I'm, I'm actually I'm more so worried about some of the things that the Padres have done and how they affect the pitchers. So, yeah, not, they're going to have to make an adjustment because they really like throwing to Rene Rivera. <laughs> yeah. Really, and like I mean, you talk to was, you talk to Tyson Ross and Andrew Kashner, they really like throwing to him. He was Rivera was like awesome at pitch framing and great defensively. And I mean, right. he actually flashed some power. I mean, that's a great acquisition for the Rays. Like, wow, what a sneaky pickup for them. Uh, Will Middlebrooks, now he moves to San Diego. Now that's an interesting one. And considering the way this lineup is fashioned, 
like I don't think that he necessarily fits it. Like if he, I mean, he strikes out a lot and has some power, but they already kind of have that. So I'm starting to wonder what Middlebrooks brings to the table. The fact, you- he can play third base and he's not Chris Johnson, so you don't have to take <laughs> on that contract. I mean, seriously, I think what all of this brings to the table, Norris, Kemp, Upton, Myers, Middlebrooks, all right-handed power. Yeah. I mean, our grand Buck Cameron wrote an article about a month ago, the beginning, I'm sorry, the beginning of this month, talking talking about the scarcity of right-handed power and how you know it's becoming a left-handed power hitter's game, right-handed power is kind of going away. And what do the Padres do? Go out and trade for right, five guys with good to great right-handed power. So it could work out for them. They're, they're obviously... Saying defense isn't as important, prospects, I will make them up. Let's not worry about it right now. Whereas the rest of the marketplace typically values those things. These guys are saying, forget it. We're making our play for it. So it could work really well for them. I think that's what the value is. I mean, Middlebrooks has got plenty of power. He's got huge holes in his swing. Mm-hmm. But he's got, got he's got a lot of power. And obviously, it, it's it's something they wanted to get. And they got. I think they got him a nice price if his hand and everything with him was healthy, I don't think they get him for what they don't get him for Ryan Hannigan. I know the Red Sox like Hannigan, but they're not getting Ryan Hannigan. Um, Hannigan for uh, for Middlebrooks if Middlebrooks was 100%. Right, that is true. Uh, and I mean they do they do have Yang 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 Hervis Salarte, however you say it, Yang Hervis, Yang Hervis. Doesn't matter. Yeah. They did have him, you know. I, he, actually, I mean I think it's an interesting I mean at the very least that kind of makes like in deep and only leagues, that makes him like an interesting reserve pick again because it 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 wouldn't be a shock to see Middlebrooks fail there in, in San Diego or get yeah. hurt, and then somebody needs to take that playing time. So that's kind of something to keep in mind. But Solarte again, is Spanish for insurance policy, not bingo. Spanish for starter. Bingo. That's that's a good way to put it. And so like now, now the Padres, they did pick up some other players. I mean, the, I don't. I'm not real. I wasn't real familiar with the prospects that the Padres got back. Aaron Northcraft, Jose Castillo, Gerardo Reyes, Seth Strike, but none of these guys are. I mean, they're not like ready-made contributors. They're most no, of them. no. So, so they're you know they're on the dynasty radar. Yes, and Castillo. I, for me, Castillo would be there near the top. The Rays gave him almost a million dollars as a, uh, for international signing bonus, and that, that's a lot of money for them. Yeah, uh, and he's been he was missed most of last year. Uh, so he's a little bit behind in the timetable, but that's the one I would keep an eye on. We know that San Diego's got a good track record with these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at it, it's the one thing they do well is working with their pitchers, developing their pitchers, and in cases like Corey Kluber, trading away those pitchers. Uh, <laughs> people forget Corey Kluber was a Padre. Uh, and, uh, and I did even, forget that. Yeah, that's a great point. He, honestly, Castillo is as much of a lottery ticket as Brendan Morrow and Josh Johnson. Yeah, and that's I mean, where These guys are complete lottos. Yeah, and that's where I was hit with. I mean... But those are those are names that, and these are I, th- I mean these are great guys to take chances on. I'm just dis- I'd be disappointed. I think I would be a lot more interested in Morrow if he just sucked it up and accepted that he should probably pitch out of the bullpen. Exactly. Uh, and but he has a contract that's laden with incentives, and it's a lot heavier with incentives for starting uh, innings as opposed to relief innings or relief games, however it's structured. Um, but he and Josh, I mean. Johnson at this point is basically expected to sign there. So, but these are two interesting players and more, I mean, again, I mean, these guys, I'm especially interested in Morrow now that he's had a lot of time to recover health wise. I mean, it's also a good environment. I mean, he, this is also a great place for him to go to, to stop giving up home runs (laughs) because that was a big problem for him. Uh, I mean, this is, the only thing that I mean, I just I temper that expectation or it tempers my hope for that a little bit only because, of course, 
the moves as far as the players that they brought in and uh, on defense and catching. But overall, it's a positive move for Morrow, I think, especially because of the move to the NL and away from a Homer Happy Park. That's a player I'd be interested in taking a little bit of a flyer on and hoping to be cheap. Johnson, I, I don't even know what to make. You know, it's like, how, how do you know what to make of him at this point of his career? But there's there. <laughs> The Padres are certainly not the only team that was busy. Uh, and Atlanta, of course, they made up. Basically, most of what Atlanta has acquired in the last few days uh, is players for the future, or and, and part of the future is the present a little bit. But Max Freed mm-hmm. obviously wants a big name prospect. That's, I mean, that's a pretty good get, I would say. <laughs> if you know, if, for me, the, the red flag that flew up there for me, the organization that just got over losing guys to multiple Tommy John surgeries, trade for a top-end prospect who just had a Tommy John surgery a couple of months ago, who was by no means in the clearance. No, I mean, if Freed gets, if, if he doesn't work out, this trade sucks. That is true. He is the only thing that can, he's the only thing that can salvage this thing for me is if Freed hits his potential. If he goes down to Chris Medlin, Brandon Beachy, this trade is terrible. Yeah, and I guess I don't want to assume, I mean, so basically what you're saying is, uh, I mean, do you think the, uh, there's anything to uh, maybe Atlanta pushes their pitchers in a direction that could lead them to Tommy Johnson's, I mean, such as breaking ball usage or cutter usage or something like that, that maybe, I, I, think, I don't know. They've got a lot of guys. I mean, it's yeah, just yeah. tough to look at that and say, you know, maybe where there's, there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. There's a lot of dudes there. And that's the thing for me is, is Freed is a yeah, also with, of this deal. With uh, Johnny Venters, who's had what three? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's. Three. I think he's had Tommy John surgery like fifteen times, actually. Um, yeah, and there's a couple of other guys uh, in the bullpen that have dealt with that. So that's it's it's definitely something to be to make you wonder, I guess, raise an eyebrow. That's that's interesting. Uh, and then they also Jace Peterson, Dustin Peterson, Mal- Malik Smith in the outfield. These are guys. Peterson is basically kind of majorly ready to be. A utility, perhaps super utility right. type. Uh, he's certainly not a, a solution, and 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 the Braves already have kind of players. But like, I mean, I don't know a lot about the other Peterson and and Smith, but basically, as you said, this the success of this trade is going to hinge on Freed, uh, and I, just as much as I mean, you could have criticized you criticize the Braves for how much they uh, gave up to get Upton. They didn't necessarily get the farm to trade away Upton. So it's not like, I mean, that experiment for a couple of years didn't cost them a lot, but it didn't. Uh, well, I mean, when they said they were going to do this, they wanted. They said they wanted to get more in return for Justin Upton than they got for Jason Hayward. And you go look at Kylie McDaniel's breakdown of the prospects in this deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, he grades on 20 to 80 scale like all scouts do. 45 is an everyday, is a major league regular player. 45. Freed fifty, the other three are forties. That's what we're looking at. These yeah. are this is their future value grade. It's not their present value, their future value. So that's where he's seeing these guys. So that's what they got. To yeah, me, and again, it, it, it's if very Freed important. doesn't work out bad. Very important too, like you said, it's future value because Freed is far from a guarantee. So right. I, I if if I'm trading Upton, I want a guy that I know is going to be a major league regular, and Freed I know can be. But he is far from a guarantee. He, I want he, Austin Hedges. I yeah. forget the risk. I want Austin Hedges. No, okay, I'll go to somebody else. I mean, Preller got exactly what he wanted in all of these deals. Yeah, he kept Hedges. He kept uh, Hunter Renfro out of this. He kept three of his top four prospects, and the one he traded was the guy that has the biggest question mark coming off surgery. Yeah, the 
I mean, the encouraging thing, and Malik Smith has a ton of speed. That's something, yeah. I mean, like he is he is at the top of the scales in terms of speed. So if he does come along and become the brave center fielder, there's a potential for him to be a regular center fielder, and he would pack a ton of speed. That's a name to keep in mind for that down the road. But as far as, uh, and as far as free goes, it, it's, it's nice that he's left-handed. That helps his, probably helps his, well, it also, it also guarantee him a little more opportunities down the road, uh, in case, uh, things don't work out initially, uh, they'll keep sure. coming back to that. Well, but it's, it's, it's an interesting situation. I, I, what, how do you see the Atlanta outfield breaking down now? I, that's what I think what's question. I mean, Smith is not a player who's anywhere close already. They traded away Upton. They traded away Hayward. They have only signed Marcakis. I mean, it looks it's Marcakis, Upton, and I guess Evan Gaddis. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what they're saying. That like, if they don't trade him, is that is Marcakis is a decent fielding outfielder, and and Upton range wise we know is good, but there's also question. I mean. He doesn't always take the best routes, if I'm not mistaken. He does have a good preseason, but he's 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 kind of a like I feel like the Bra- the Padres and the Braves basically just kind of butcher their outfield defense, and I mean, I, I'm not really sure where. <laughs> and then on top of it, the Braves is and their uh, pro- production outfield wise is not that good either. So no, I mean this is their depth chart in the outfield: Upton, Joey Turd, Marcakis, Todd Cunningham. Jose Constanza and Zoyal Almonte. There is one, one regular player in that lineup for opening day. That's what it's like right now. And even if you say, okay, Gaddis, you're the opening day, you're the opening day, uh, excuse me, opening day left fielder, then you've got Christian Betancourt behind the home plate. Yeah, no kidding. You got Betancourt behind uh, the dish. So it's it's not going to be pretty. This is why they're projected at the bottom of the league. They're, it's it's a terrible roster the way it looks right now. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. It's it's just I think it's depressing to look at if you're a Braves fan. So let's move to Tampa Bay, where you know a lot more uh, in, intimacy your your intimacy with these players, and and it's about to go up, of course, because you'll have to get to know some of the new guys. But you've had but, relations, yeah. <laughs> and you've probably passed on some of your diseases to them. So Kevin Jepsen, uh, that's that's a that's a one for one deal that came uh, that's. That's the that choice trade, obviously, yeah. to the Halos. But Jepson adds to a bullpen that's always been pretty solid. Um, and that I, I'll just jump to the bottom of our uh, unseen itinerary there because of the Jake McGee thing. I mean, basically, that probably helps that situation. Jake McGee having arthroscopic surgery this past week on his left elbow, and he probably will begin the season on the disabled list. So that's yep. something to be concerned about. But is Jepson? To me, Jeff, he used to be speculated about as this guy who would enter the picture and saves for the Halos. I still don't picture him. I mean, maybe he is part of some kind of committee because Madden seems to be kind of open to that. And he he was this past season. And they have a number of guys, uh, although they did lose Joel Peralta, right? So they have. Correct. So they have, but they still have this crew of guys who can each do something specifically well in, in certain situations. And now Madden is gone, so there's not necessarily the the bullpen wizardry going on there anyway. But uh, right, <laughs> do you see Jepsen being a, a, in the mix for saves this coming season? Um, I do. I mean, when you look at Boxberger was used in that seventh, get the ball to the eighth inning. Sometimes I'll come in, in the sixth inning and pitch multiple innings. And if you look at the way the bullpens, I mean, he you're the guy you could feel confident in sending him out for multiple innings. Uh, with that, so you've got him. So if you take him and put him towards the front of that, that gives you ball four. Jepson and Frieri. Frieri has some history in closing. 
you know, it just this is the kind of pitcher the Rays have taken in the past and been able to get some value out of them. Um, and I think I have confidence Hickey will be able to do something to get um, Freire locating his fastball in places other than right over the heart of the strike zone yes. and the heart of the plate. So that'll be a thing for him. I think, I think Jepson last year made the big push. I mean, for him, adding that changeup last year, scrapping the cutter and going to the changeup was a huge thing for him. And I think that's what uh, adorned him or, or that's what the Rays got all uh, doe-eyed with him. It's like, oh, he's a reliever. He throws a changeup. We love him. We must have him. Yes. And it's a good deal because Matt Joyce, he was going to be a reserve outfielder for this team. When mm-hmm. you've got Kiermaier, you've got Jennings. Uh, at the time, you had Myers. I mean, he's, even with the trade of Myers, it's still going to be a, is, is going to be reserve capacity for him. It so it worked out. And, and I think when you lose a guy like McGee for possibly four to six weeks, you bring in a guy like Freire and Jepson, two live arms that can get, still get a lot of swing and miss with their fastballs. They're good fastballs. It's just a matter of consistent location is the problem that's held both back. The po- and the point you made about, you, about Jepson, the addition of that changeup, like he was always he he could always throw hard. But it was just like, I mean, I would basically given up on him really racking. I mean, he had in 2010, he racked up some strikeouts. But for the most part, I mean, this was like an 8K per 9 guy, which is not good in the bullpen, obviously. Uh, and the addition of that changeup really seems to have added the strikeout to his way to retire guys, which is right. really appealing in fantasy. But in addition, it seems to be a pitch that he commands or controls really well. Yes. Uh, I mean, he is really interesting. And, like, I, I, liked, I liked the prospect. Uh, of a free airy bounce back in Tampa Bay because, like you said, I mean, I think Hickey can work some wonders with uh, with him, but I think Jepson certainly dampens that outlook. Uh, that's yeah, gonna, it's going to be an interesting me... ar- arrangement. And then on sure, top we're of sitting it, sitting down doing a mock draft uh, I, right now, I take Jepson as, as the guy that I would be targeting in this in this situation if we were drafting this week. Okay, and, and that's really interesting. And like, I mean, we've we talked about this in the past, but the issue with McGee, the health on top of the fact that he was he's so good and he's left handed that they're and the Rays still have not made any long term commitments, right? So they there's now no incentive not to. I mean, they can continue to keep him cheap, relatively speaking. Right. So right. And and then on top of it, they go out and get. Jose Molina plus a bat and younger. Like, not that Rever- Rene Rivera has a great bat, but he's like the new Jose Molina. It's uh, not empty. Yeah. <laughs> it's not empty. Right. Uh, he has a little bit of power. I mean, he's an interesting player. Like, he's a great, like, if you could get him for, like, one, one or two bucks in an AL only league, like, well, I mean, he's going to get three, 350 plate appearances. And what do you care what he does at that point? I mean, he's probably going to, you know, he could hit 10 home runs. That's you know, 11 good. last year at that big ballpark and what, 200 and something at bats? Yeah. I mean, now he's going to be, he's not going to be a five day a week catcher. Right. They still, they're going to go out and get some more help. You can't have a guy in his 30s who's never caught more than, you know, I think 99 games played is his record. And all of a sudden, say here is 125, 130. So, uh, but this is not an empty bat. And that's a big thing because that's pretty much what the Rays have had. I mean, people were excited about Ryan Hannigan last year. That's how low it's gotten. Yeah. <laughs> so with, with Rivera, you can actually, a Tampa Bay catcher should be taken as a second catcher on draft day now. Yeah. Even in a 15-team mixed league, well, you kind of have to there. But yeah. even I you know, I even take a, in a 12-team mixed league, I'm going to go ahead and take Rivera as a second catcher. Yeah, at the very end, he's, I mean, it, why not? Like, there's... There's, I mean, there there are certainly guys you could debate at the end, but yeah, I mean, he's he's in that tier, he's in the discussion, and now now you get to the players who are really interesting in terms of potential for, you know, kind of down the road and and bit bigger ceilings. And Souza is already a guy you mentioned, and but he's and obviously at this point he's in the playing time picture. Yep. 2015, 
Where do you put him on your on your kind of sleeper left field? List? No, I mean, what, uh, where's your well, sleeper yeah. list? Is he um, on your sleeper list? Yeah, he was. He was last year. I drafted him and I took him in leagues last year, hoping uh, in leagues where I had Bryce Harper, I took Seuss as a backup player. I took him in hopes that because he had he had played a few positions in the minors, so if something were to break or somebody were to break down, rather he may get an opportunity. But that kid's put up big numbers in the minor leagues. Since he he's been a little himself, old. he's been a little old yeah. for his levels. Well, but yeah, and he has a he was on the dark rate. side a little bit. Yes, yeah. so but he but, was on the dark side a little bit. Uh, got his life in order and uh, reapplied himself. Um, it does have. I've seen him play a couple of times in the spring. Liked what I saw. He's a good athlete, and this is a guy that is a legit 15, 15 home run. You know, fifteen to eighteen home run, fifteen to twenty stolen base guy. Uh, if Kevin Cash gives Sousa the opportunity to run when he gets on base. So he's got that. I mean, he has the potential to put up better numbers than Will Myers this year. Will Myers could also just trounce him in the dirt. So there's two risks, but he has, Sousa has the potential to put up, have more fantasy value this year than Will Myers. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's a, that's a, first of all, that's a column I would buy is your, you know, your crazy predictions column coming up sometime in what, March? That'll be. And, and oh, I love doing that one. Yeah, that that's and I, I'm last year I with, said like I think last year I said Billy Hamilton. Right, last year I said Billy Hamilton and D Gordon would combine to steal 120 bases. They combined to steal exactly 120 bases, but I had Billy Hamilton stealing 100. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a, okay. Now Jake ba- Jake Bowers, as a race fan, are you excited about this or a, as a fantasy owner? I think there's not a lot. He it's you know somewhat it's like James Loney a little bit going on here. So. I think the offensive upside is pretty limited, but he's he's an interesting hitter as far as the contact he makes. The only thing that that's the only thing that concerns me about Souza is that I mean you're looking at a, a strikeout rate between twenty and twenty five percent in the major leagues as a, probably as a regular. So like, does he make contact regularly enough to hit at least two forty or two fifty? I but, think he got but it. He, but he, yeah, he's he's a good athlete, and once he gets a chance to adjust, I mean he's he's got that opportunity. Bowers, we know he can hit. Does he provide anything? I mean, does he at least get you excited as a Rays fan? Um, well, you kind of have to. This is the kind of first baseman that you can. I mean, they've never, ever, ever developed a first base prospect. It's just not what. It's not their big thing. I mean, they can't develop a power hitting first base prospect. It was the when they had uh, Travis Lee and back in the Devil Ray days. I mean, that kind of guy. You go to a batting practice session and Travis Lee could hit moving shots. I think he hit nine home runs was his record one season. I mean, Greg Norton I think is the most productive first baseman in franchise history before James Loney started doing his thing. Rico I mean, Bowers was a beast. Hit. I'm sorry? Rico Bronia was a beast. Wasn't he there for yeah. like half a year? <laughs> uh, half a week. I, I don't remember exactly. But man, Bowers, this kid, I, I I don't get excited about – I get excited about very few first base prospects because you have to be big to, to do it there. If, if you don't yeah. hit big, that's then whatever. You blend into the crowd, and I don't see this as a guy that's going to be huge. I think he could be – uh, if he hits a ceiling, an everyday player for them. But he's not going to be huge. Right. It's not going to be a big thing, but it's it's it's. But these are the kind of players they need. I mean, this will be a this will be one of the more high end bats in the system. Okay, now um, uh, this this may seem like a ridiculous proposition to you, but going back to Sousa real quick. So, uh, which one do you like more? Not to say that the the two players will cost the same because Kevin Kiermaier will cost the same, but which one do you like more for ceiling in terms of fantasy production? Between who and who? Uh, Sousa and, and Kevin Kiermaier. Uh, Sousa, I don't, I, I'm not a believer in Kevin Kiermaier at the plate. Okay. And that's, I think that's kind of, I mean, cause Kiermaier is a guy who's in the discussion as far as those deep leagues or end of draft kind of things. I mean, he's an interesting player, but yeah, he, de- he definitely exceeded, uh, his ability and expectations. But... Yes, he did. And that's going to be a bottom of the lineup hitter this year. 
Okay. Bottom of the lineup hitter. <clears throat> now, Burt Smith, uh, he was a, a frequent resident uh, or resident for a season of Carson Sestouli's top five Finch prospects. And yes. uh, if I recall correctly, read a few of those. And then uh, you also Travis Ott. But Burt Smith, how much, I mean, it's a, it's still a relatively deep raise rotation, especially compared to other major league teams. Um He's certainly an interesting pitcher because of the strikeout-to-walk ratio and the kind of things he's been able to accomplish in minors. So, uh, what do you see as far as fantasy future, or even in the immediate future? I mean, is this this is a guy who, in theory, should contribute at some point this season when they need a guy. Yeah, I mean, he's he's uh, missed a lot of time last year because of his own health issues. He had nothing major, but he missed some time. So I think they're going to slow play this guy and give him a chance down in Durham for a while. Mm-hmm. So I honestly, I see him as a swingman. I think he'd be more effective if, if we were like we were talking with Morrow. Kid, you're a reliever. Go there. But with these kind of kids, it's usually one of the things where we say, you know, you need to try. You need to fail as a starter before we make you as a before we make your reliever. So I think this is a swing man. He's not somebody that I, I'm in any hurry to put even on dynasty roster right now. I just want him to see, uh, just keep an eye on him and see how things are going. Okay, because I, mean, I think I still think there's hope for him as a starter just because I mean swinging strike rate and some of the I mean he has a couple of decent pitches. I mean he's an interesting player, but I do think yeah he's got a lot to learn about approach to pitching. I guess. I don't know. He's but he isn't. He's an intriguing pitcher. But yeah, I mean, ceiling is probably guy too. Yeah. Um, Now uh, I think move to touch on some guys real quick in the San Francisco area. Um, Sergio Romo back with the Giants. Basically, I think that just kind of limits the ceiling of Santiago Casilla uh, in terms of saves. Um, not, not nothing too exciting there. And also, it's, I think it's worth noting, Casilla is in the final. That's something I was writing in his uh, in his blurb that uh, I guess those won't come out to sometime next year. But uh, that he's you know, basically Casilla is also in the final year of his deal with an he has an option year. But, you know, if, if things go south for the Giants, like he could be a trade chip. So Romo is every bit is the candidate for saves there that Casilla is um, no surprise. Jake Peavy also back with the Giants and uh, that. Considering the second half that he had and uh, the numbers that he put up with them, that's probably not a bad thing. Makes you. Yeah, I mean, I, the problem is with that, it's like your last memory of PV is looking terrible in the World Series. That <laughs> <laughs> was that was that was against an American League team. <laughs> yes, but I mean, when you look at, and, I mean, when he made this, when they made the sign, I was like, wow. And then I had, I had some bias. I had to go back and look. I'm like, you know what? He was good down there. He was good for them. So I, yeah, you know, was. I can defend this. Yeah. But he was really good for them. But it's like that last memory you have of a guy. Yeah. He looked awful in that world. He looked done. Yeah, but basically no one looked good in that World Series for the Giants except for Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> Tim this Hudson. I mean, like, and all these guys who, I mean, Tim Hudson, spent, you know, for most of the, this past season was great for the Giants. But you don't, I mean, and it's... I guess there's, I mean, the Padres have upped the offense. The Dodgers obviously can be a dangerous team. Uh, and pitching in Arizona, in theory, can be dangerous, I guess, if they actually build a major league lineup there. So, I mean, it's not it's it's not a walk in the park necessarily in the NL West. But, I mean, that's, uh, these, these are guys who, at least in NL only leagues for sure, and obviously, you know, kind of deep mixed leagues, these guys, they, they get a spot. They get a nod as kind of your, you know, end of your rotation guys. Uh, and perhaps con- the ability to contribute just a bit more than that. Just because, I mean, yeah. they're, they're in the rotation and it's a solid uh, it's a solid place to pitch. Uh, Casey McGee. Now, this is an – I thought this was – this the Giants trade for McGee. They get their third – they get their Panda replacement. I actually don't think it's really a bad – 
too bad of a deal for the Giants. Uh, I do buy a little bit. The, I mean, obviously no power here. Uh, they're going to miss that uh, as far as the Panda goes. I don't know. I don't know much about McGee defensively. You know? Uh, no, you don't worry about it. Uh, but I mean, here's the thing with him. What stands out to me, he had a three percent home run to fly ball ratio last year. <laughs> that three percent. Now that just some natural regression has to come back. You would think. Even if it double, but I, even if it doubles, he's only going to get a handful of home runs. Right. I, mean, I, I no, still don't no think he's going to hit ten. Yeah, there's no power. No, there's no power here. Yeah, but I do buy. I mean, I do buy a lot of the. Of the average, like I don't think that this was purely a lot of Bavic luck. I, I think he has right. changed his approach to hitting. I do, yes. And and so he's a guy who can hit to like he's he's like James Loney at third base. Like is basically kind of where sure. he can, what he can end up doing. So, but you know, it, in a deep mixed league, like he's not a bad at the end of the draft consolation prize maybe, or in a Neno only league, he'll get you by. But um, I mean, overall, it's not it's not necessarily a bad fit for the Giants. I was just I'm I'm curious, you know, it's like. Panda made some progress defensively at third base, but he was still no, I mean, he's no gold glover over there. I'm curious as to how this affects the Giants defense. But overall, they play they play good defense, so it's not really yeah. a big deal anyway. Miami, on the other hand, they made they've made some they've they've made their their team kind of interesting. Michael Morris signs there, obviously coming off the World Series championship. Uh basically, now that he's with Miami, there's probably like a, a very good chance that he gets hurt again. <laughs> uh but yeah. And that's that's a place where if you really want your power to die, you go. Uh, I mean, this this smells like a potential for some overvaluation of his services. I think in fantasy in 2015, yes. And I think it's a good. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a good time to buy back in on on Prado. I mean, mm-hmm. he hit very well for the Yankees. He is a 300 guy. Hit really well, but his overall numbers um, don't show that. This is a more respectable lineup overall that Miami said that Miami has this year for the yeah. first time in a couple of years. I, I back in on Prado more. Eh. I didn't like him last year. He made me look stupid for a while, but I'm still not a Mike Morse guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, mean, I do. I, I'd be interested to buy back in on Prado, especially because he and he can play a couple of different different positions. The Marlins will. <laughs> they still haven't guaranteed themselves to be not in a position where they won't need his services at one or the other, or if not both, second base and third base. Uh, then uh, they also acquired David Phelps, who in the American League really needs to be a swingman. In the National League, could be your fifth starter. And uh, in that big ballpark, I mean, there's, I mean, he's, he doesn't doesn't have a great, uh, huge, great repertoire of pitches. But I mean, he could make it work in the NL East. Maybe is this an uh, NL? Is this an NL guy for you? Um, I've owned him in the NL in the past. Uh, the strikeout rate is right about league average. I think wait, the, the help you him, hurt him was the home run. So you moved him in the AL, I assume. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm, I I like him as an end game kind of guy because he does miss some bats, and getting out of Yankee Stadium is going to help him keep the ball in the park a little bit. He can't – I mean, he his mistakes will get punished, but he, he, uh, he's he got some swing and miss in his game. Okay, and so, I mean, this is <laughs> – this is what the Miami's rotation looks like right now. Matt Latos, Jared Kosart, Henderson Alvarez, those guys are, are bank. And Tom Kohler, I guess, is probably bank. Then it becomes a question of, does Dan Heron retire or whatever he's going to do? And that's still up in the air. But then Phelps is a, a candidate. I guess they also have Brad Hand. They And I've read that the Marlins have not given up on giving Aaron Crow a chance to start, I think, as well. But that's Oh, God, really? I, I think. But don't, don't worry. I, I'm pretty sure that I think that – but. It, I don't think that they're committed to that. They made it just, that might be just something that they told them when they brought them in that, you know, they, oh. the Marlins have a tendency to lie about a lot of things, yeah, but, just <laughs> but I mean, it's going to be interesting to see like what that fifth spot in the Miami, because it, it's, it's a good place to pitch. It's, and, and the NL East is a good, 
it, there's a good list of teams to be facing there, especially now that the Braves stink even more. Now, what's interesting, it, the Yankees, players that they brought in, because they have actually, they've done an okay job at shedding payroll, but and, and they brought in, this is the, it's a team that really has needed to uh, revamp the rotation. They bring in Nathan Evaldi. First, he's a he's a pitcher with a lot of velocity, uh, not a lot of strikeouts. Um, not sure that he's going to add him, uh, but he does bring uh, ability to generate some ground balls to Yankee Stadium. That's a little interesting. Is this he 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 concerns me a little moving to uh, a league where he's going to see so many good bats so often though. Yeah, he should, especially lefties. I mean, this is a guy who for his career. Lefties have hit 292 off this guy with a 770 OPS. His strikeout rate's 15% with an 8% walk rate. You flip guys around righty, 249, 678, strikeout rate's 18%, walk rate's 7. I mean, he has splits. They need to get this guy a legitimate third pitch uh, so he's not a two-pitch guy versus righties and a two-pitch guy versus lefties. He's got. He needs a third pitch, yeah. um, and this is a really tough place to work on a third pitch. I would like to see. I mean, this guy would be a primary guy to say, "Look, uh, you know, Valdi, come down to Tampa, or you come down for when pitchers and catchers report in February." This is how you throw a split changeup. I want you to play with this grip. I want you to throw it twenty times a day. I want you to carry a baseball around between your index, your uh, your ring finger, and your middle finger, and just carry that ball around. And get used to it because you're going to throw that pitch this year. Kind of like what the Rays did with Oda Rizzi. They need to give this guy something because it's going to limit his upside, and this park is going to magnify his troubles with lefties. That's my big. This I don't like this move for uh, for him and his fantasy value. Yeah, yeah, and and the only thing I will say, I don't I don't know what the recipe will be, but and I will not put the Yankees in the class of the Rays and Jim Hickey and their scouts and all that, but. The Yankees do have, I mean, they worked a little bit of magic with a couple of other guys that they they found as trade targets. They do do their due diligence on guys who they think they can maybe make some alterations to either their pitch sequencing or uh, pitch usage and think that they can get more out of them. And so, and they've, they've done a decent job with some guys like that. McCarthy. So, yes. Yeah. McCar- McCarthy is certainly the, the prime example, but Evaldi has, he has a couple of good pitches. I mean, he he's not devoid of talent, but... Yeah, I, I. it's like, is the upside going to be so great that he makes me suddenly a guy I want to pursue a great deal on AO only leagues or anything like that? Not Probably not. So I don't I don't really know where this is going to leave him. He's not like a $10 pitcher to me or anything like that. Um, Garrett Jones also ends up there. And we could talk, I mean, Chris Capuano returns. He's a swingman, whatever. Uh, and Domingo Humran, that's, that's somebody you can think about down the road. But Garrett Jones there, AL, I mean, I guess there's some AO only value here, but this is a bench bat for the Yankees, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, an insurance, it's an insurance policy at the corner. Um, but he can yank some home runs. I think that's a nice fit for him. Yeah. Um, but that's it. And he was – I mean, he goes from being a guy who was a regular contributor, which is interesting. Like, I guess the only thing – the only reason I even wanted to remark about it is because, like, Jones was a guy who was rumored to be on the trade market. Like, multiple teams were interested in trading for him, and the Yankees get that done. And, and A-Rod is professed to be – he's like uh, – I think Cashman is says – a Rod, I, I foresee A Rod as our DH next season, full time DH. So there's well, uh, at least he's still third base eligible in draft day, right? <laughs> yeah, and there, I mean, there's that, but like, so there's no spot for Jones. I mean, he's basically he's a platoon batter left, like he's a, and he's an insurance policy, like you said. That's good. Like he'd be an interesting reserve pick, though, of course, in a only league. I think uh, it really depends on what if they're somehow able to trade Chase, find some way to get rid of A Rod. I don't know, but I mean Jones. 
Um, I mean, it's well, really somebody's going to look get at him and figure out. Yeah, if if the opportunity gets there and he can start against right-handed right-handed bats, he's between, an intriguing play. Between the DH, uh, the third baseman, and the first baseman, they that the Yankees have there, all those guys have a significant history of injuries. So he will find his way into the lineup almost certainly uh, at some point. For yeah, some it's, a good, it's a better bench than what they had last year. Yeah. Uh, now, the, and what becomes intriguing because Prado is gone, especially now, is that uh, the second base job at, for the Yankees is kind of for grabs. Robert Refsnyder is kind of this – he was like this like borderline prospect that like some fantasy files and some, and some other prospect files kind of – he's not like this top prospect or anything, but it was the guy that people wanted to get a shot. But I think like don't ignore Jose Perella, who was the other guy who says basically going to be considered for this job. Uh, he he was a pretty good hitter last year in the Yankees system as well. Uh, do you have like I mean, how would you handicap this? I mean, I think Rush Schneider because of his age is probably going to have an advantage uh, going into this. How this do I country. handicap it? Neither or, of these guys are going to be the opening day second baseman. Okay, that's uh, how I handicap. I think that guy is still waiting to be signed. Okay, uh, and that's just I I, I put that. At, I'm probably it's probably naive of me, but I'll put it at, at maybe like fifty fifty. I mean, I uh, wouldn't be surprised if if they do bring it in. I think it's somehow they probably work another trade. I do think Cashman, to some degree, seems to be pretty committed. Or, or either that, or it's like it's it's a low cost guy who finds out that the market isn't as good as he thinks it'd be. Like Stephen Drew, maybe they bring him back or something. Um, but um, it's it it's it's going to be it's a, it's a more interesting Yankees team, I think uh, at least. Uh, and now to Oakland. Um, because kind of lost in this is they made that like uh, the the Derek Norris trade. Jesse Hahn obviously is when we've been asked about this guy a little bit. So Jesse Hahn is a guy we definitely want to talk about. Um, and moved to Oakland. I mean, obviously he moves out of the NL into the AO, yada yada yada. Uh, ballparks pretty similar. Uh, in fact, Oakland might be a bit, bit better for that. But is is Hahn still a guy you're on? Uh, no, we've seen him run into health issues. Like that's not totally out of the past. But Oakland has done a pretty good job. They continue to do a good job of stockpiling uh, decent starting pitching talent, and Han qualifies. R.J. Alvarez, uh, as far as pitching talent goes, could also qualify. He was a name that was kind of a target of a couple of teams as well. I'd be on. I'd be in on him too in a dynasty the AL uh, keeper league just because of his future out of the bullpen. But with Han, I think the thing that people need to remember is this dude, he's had Tommy John surgery, mm-hmm. and he, he missed you know, 2000. When you look at the time that he had to miss because of the Tommy John surgery, I mean, this he had coming into last year, he had 163 innings of professional baseball experience in the, in the minor league level. And then he made 12 starts and appeared in 14 games for the Padres last year. So when you look at a guy whose walk rate is what it was last year, you know, it was, over, it was below league average. But his strikeout rate was above league average. And this is a guy that, again, he was rushed to the big leagues because his stuff is that good. I remember talking to a scout in the Arizona Fall League. Guy said, Han's the best pitcher in the Rays organization. This was this was late October 2013. He gets traded in, in the deal, uh, the Boxberger deal over there, but he gets traded in that deal as part of this. Now he's traded here. I mean, at the time, I was I was a bit surprised by the answer, but I mean, you look at Han, the fastball, the breaking ball, my only concern, you know, has always talked about this, just the heavy use of the breaking ball. I think it limits his long-term potential, but I think he'll command his pitchers better, his pitches better this year because he has more experience under his belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, basically, he comes with injury risk, but there's a lot of talent here. And yeah. they, I mean, the A's aren't stupid. <laughs> Turns out, no, they 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 do a lot of crazy things, and people may think they're stupid at times. But like, don't just automatically assume a lot. And nobody, a lot of people like Han. 
and he is a player to like. Certainly is a guy you have your eye on. He's gonna he's gonna have some he's probably going to have some reckoning period where he's gonna have some adjustments to things he hasn't seen before. Because like I mean there's there is no experience, but his debut was great. I mean, fifty percent ground balls combined with uh above league average strikeouts, and even though it was below league average or you know, well, above but not not in the good way, league average, the walk rate. First exposure to mate with virtually no minor league experience. I mean, this is an impressive debut. This kid is good. So, right. <laughs> it, it, and and uh, it, it could only get better. I mean, like he's not necess- He wasn't even necessarily at full strength. I mean, like I don't want to say not fully back from Tommy John surgery, but that was basically kind of his first full season back from Tommy John surgery. Yes. And then he also ran into some health problems again. But. Just he's a player to be excited about talent wise, not necessarily like there's just a lot of risk involved. So now <clears throat> moving to uh, KC, they brought in Edinson Volquez. I mean, there's not much mystery here. I nobody's nobody's going to be buying much of the success that Volquez had with Pittsburgh, uh, or at least buying him coming off that. I mean, he was a money earner this past season, certainly. Uh, and now he moves to the American League. He's, and, he's, yeah, he took full advantage of that Pittsburgh infield defense. Yes, I mean full which, advantage, which is only okay. And, and I mean, but they, should, they really, do a lot of positioning. That's that's yeah. the key thing. And and the good news is, is Kansas City's pretty good with that too. Yeah. So it, it's that, but you make the move from the NL to the AL. Um, I'll go a dollar on it in an AL auction for him. I'll go the twenty second or twenty third round if I need a uh, a six starting pitcher. But I'd also have no problem going to a to a high strikeout middle reliever over this guy. Right. I think that's that's the thing because he had to sacrifice some of the stuff that gets him that used to get him strikeouts and significantly. And then on top of it, the move to the AL, like he's he sacrificed some strikeouts to basically keep the ball in the strike zone. And then on top of it, he did have Russell Martin work for. I mean, although Sal Perez is certainly no, he's no slouch. But right. uh, it it's it's overall it doesn't look. I mean. You're not you're not going to win any money on Volquez, almost certainly. Chris Medlin, on the other hand, now it's an, he's not going to be ready at the beginning of the season. Uh, it's an interesting chance to take. I mean, realistically, he's probably not a possible fantasy contributor until after the All Star break. But uh, is this a guy? I mean, is this like a guy you'd be interested in stashing, or you think he's kind of worn it out at this point because of the multiple Tommy John surgeries and a lot of other things working against him? I let somebody else take the roster spot, yeah, and and hope for the best there for him. But no, not not a guy that I want. I mean, and it's something to keep in mind. And Eno brings this up. I mean, he's kind of the guy who points this out about these guys coming off the injuries. This is what big league teams do: is they sign these guys to two year de- two year deals because they hope yep. in the second year that that's actually when they're going to get some return out of them. So exactly, that might be what you have in mind out of Medlin uh, is maybe looking to capitalize on that next season. What do you think of Gavin Floyd in Cleveland? I don't. Um, it's just, it's been burned too many times. I used to love Gavin Floyd, but that guy is, he's had too many, he's had too much health problems. And I just think it's, I mean, Cleveland, obviously they did an excellent job turning around Carlos Carrasco last year, uh, and, and re and realigning Danny Salazar and, and, you know, Kevin Cash is no longer there, but he was a huge factor in that. But Mickey Catway was a big factor in that as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's another guy that I would, uh, Spend a dollar on, but outside of that, I'm uh, I'm not interested. Yeah, I'm agreed. That's a I mean, he's a guy I blogged on. I actually just remember that I blogged on this past week, and he's basically it's that the, there's a lot of things that just say basically he's a league average pitcher. He's going to go on a run where maybe he's dominant for a month, and that's going to 
and then he's going to have a month that balances that out. Uh, but overall, it's not a bad move for him career-wise, but it's not he's not a great pitcher by any means. Right. He's, a, he's a dollar guy, as you said. And so now before we get out of here, I'm just going to run down a couple of these because we do have we, – we've already touched on some of these guys who are these kind of chance signings teams. I mean, you're going to get a lot – you always get a lot of these, but some of these are really interesting. Now – Corey Hart, not real interesting in Pittsburgh. Nope. He's going to be a platoon, he's going to be a platoon guy in Pittsburgh. And Clayton Richards, similar situation, right? I mean, Pass. there's there's hope there that that guy is like a decent one dollar pitcher, like because he gets you some innings, and, and he might be better than that. We never know, but like, who, who knows? Like, there's there's a lot of who knows. Okay, some other guys to talk about, um, and we talk we like for instance, we've already talked about Brandon McCarthy. Uh, how about? Uh, the two I'm interested to talk about are Brett Anderson moving to the Dodgers and Jason Mott to the Cubs. I think Jason Mott more so to the Cubs is really interesting to me. I'm actually more interested in Brett Anderson pitching for the Dodgers. Okay. I really am. I mean, I like the kid. I like the kid's stuff. If he can stay healthy, um, just Mott, the fastball command is always something that, that concerns me with him. Um, but I'm more interested in him. And I think um, Ruggiano involved. We need to address him quickly because he's yes, going yes. to Seattle. Yes, and I don't yet. like it at all. Don't like it at all because this is a guy who uh, has splits. I mean, you look. Here's why I was looking. You have to look at rates and don't look at totals because you'll look at the fact that over you know since 2009 he's hit 41 home runs, 19 versus lefties and 22 versus righties. Like, oh, he can hit for power for both sides, but his slugging percentage is almost 200 points. High. It's a uh, hundred, uh, 107, 145 points higher. Versus lefties and righties, and now he's moving to a park that is tough on right-handed power hitters. I mean, Ruggiano was usually a counting category guy, but this is not a really good landing spot for him. This is a guy who's mostly going to play against left-handed pitching, but you look at what's going to happen. Last year didn't run much. Uh, when you look at the previous two seasons, he had been a double-double guy. Last year, six homers, two stolen bases, and only 250 plate appearances. Um, this is endgame AL material and not good material at that. I, mean, I do. I do give it to the Mariners. They did. They did see their issue with not having very much uh, right-handed hitter, not very many right-handed hitters. Period. Uh, and they went out and addressed that. Yeah, I don't think. I don't. I. I view. That's. I think that's the concern. I mean, Ruggiano is going to be basically thirty-three next season. It's not like this guy. I mean, when he busted out, he was twenty-nine or thirty. So. You're looking at a guy who is like he's he's platoon material for like maybe a James Jones kind of uh, proves that he's worth more playing time next year or a yeah. uh, I mean they they have the bats and the depth at this point probably uh, Stefan Romero maybe I mean he's right handed hitter but maybe he deserves to take some time they they have some guys who they might be able to plug in if Ruggiano proves to be basically a platoon guy so uh, and with Ackley out in the outfield I mean they already made the commitment to him I guess. Logan Morrison now is at first base, kind of entrenched. They have a DH, so Ruggiano will not play there. Uh, it, it, that's, I, I agree. That's going to be, that's not, that's not necessarily a good situation. And and the ballpark is just, in, I mean, it's not good for offense in general. So that's not a great situation. And I, and I agree. I like Anderson's stuff, and I think that I think the mood. I mean, purely with him, it's like the question of health. But I guess you could say the same about Mott because I think that's that's one of the things that's torturing uh, as far as Mott's fastball command and just command in general is, you know, just how reliable is Mott's health coming into the season. I guess the only reason I viewed it as interesting compared to Anderson is I it's like Anderson is a certainty to end, end up on the disabled list, right? Whereas Mott, if he doesn't, I mean, he's he's a candidate for saves. <laughs> yeah. So, so he, he he's a little – I guess he's he strikes me as a little interesting there. Um 
Well, I think and uh, Matt Joyce is Matt Joyce a bench bat with the Halos now, or is he going to? Um, yeah, he's got to be. Where are you going to play him? I mean, you got Hamilton, and you've got unless is he kind know, of or is it. he kind of the foil to? Uh, now I'm suddenly forgetting the. Uh, I should have pulled up the depth chart, but I, before I brought him up, but I was th- thinking I'd remember the name by then. But uh, the right-handed hitter that they brought up for the minor leagues. Oh, they got their depth chart for me right now. CJ Cron, Calhoun, and they got Cron too. Um, that's yep. where their issue. So yeah, I don't. This is why the trade made a lot of sense uh, for both teams. The Angels needing a bat, the, the Rays needing an arm. They had a ton of uh, Angels had a ton of right-handed relievers, so it's a move they needed to make. But I don't think this helps uh, Joyce because he would have had more playing time in Tampa Bay. I don't think it's going to be that much playing time for him uh, with the Angels. And the ballpark is pretty much a lateral shift. That that's not a park. Uh, I mean, Tropicana really is, is more neutral to left-handed hitters, and uh, I believe Anaheim's the same kind of way. So I'm not uh, – I don't think this helps his value anyway. I think it actually hurts it a little more. Okay, that's interesting because I, I think like, – I mean, the offense is a little better overall. So there's going to be – I mean, this is one of the best offenses in baseball. And the fact that, like, they have the depth with the Angels to basically deploy him only how he's going to be most effective, assuming – Against righties. Right. So I think that that's – I mean, that's a plus. And then overall, you're looking at, so like he's, the times that he does play, he's going to be basically assuming that he's healthy and assuming that, and and this is also assuming that the rest of Anaheim's roster is healthy because that's going to be a factor in whether he's exposed. I heard some talk that he may play some first base and I'm, uh, I remember that that was. They are going to need to give Pujols some breaks over there. He, yeah, but if anything, it's going to be Cron getting that because yeah. I, I tell you, there were some times where they had bantered about Matt Joyce playing some first base for for Tampa Bay in a pinch, and I remember talking to one of the guys around the team saying, "Hey, I heard that they were going to have uh, Joyce play for some first base during practice today. How did it look?" He's like, "He's never playing first base." <laughs> it was he goes. It, they gave him about uh, five minutes and said that was enough. Get out, uh, and uh, it, it was not smooth. Okay. Well, uh, now the final, the final guys, the injury flyers that, uh, I, I, I did want to get, I mean, I'm going to skip some of these other lower, lower level prospects. I mean, certainly some guys that we can talk about in future programs, uh, uh, once the news has died down, especially, but, uh, before we go, Jason's final thoughts, I'm interested to see because, uh, at least one of these guys and potentially two, and the other one can you, you kind of be whatever about, but, uh, Texas went into the – these guys are coming off injuries. And consi- considering that they set a record last year for most, know, players, Jesus. <laughs> most players used on uh, in, in one season on the major league roster, it's interesting that they go this route. But it's it's always nice to take chances on players like this. So they bring back Colby Lewis. That's just – that's that's, that's whatever. Kyle Blanks, interesting. Kaiuji Fujikawa, back from Tommy John surgery. And, I mean, he's – Seem to be, he seems to be healthy. So, and these are two. Neftali uh, Feliz, I guess, in theory, has the bullpen locked down, but uh, we know that he's had some problems. Uh, Fujikawa is an interesting name because he could have been in the picture for saves with the Cubs had he not gone down with an injury. And Blanks obviously has a lot of power, and that's a great place to use it. So, are these two guys who might find your way on to a reserve spot in your in, in AL on the roster for you? Blake's has missed so much time, so much with injuries. And I think this is a case where the previous regime with the Padres really screwed the pooch and hung on hung on to this guy too long. I mean, you look at when he got the chance to play in Oakland, yes, it was very, very, very limited playing time. You know, 56 plate appearances, but he, you know, was able to show some of some of the uh, 
offensive potential. But this is a kid who's now 27 years old. He, uh, he I'm sorry, he's 28 now. He turned 28 mm-hmm. in, the, in the middle of September. And you know, this is a guy a few years ago, everybody was just running to get this guy on their team. And uh, not anymore. And I, I would, you know, reserve pick in an AL league, but that's it. Yeah. I mean, but I, he intrigues me as a reserve pick in the AL league. I think because, at the, like, at the same time, I mean, he's missed so much time. But, uh, I mean, part of it has been he's also never really had an opportunity, whereas, like, he's only one player away for an opportunity in Texas. There's there's some certainly in, some intrigue there. And, uh, I mean, he's either – he could be the the left the right-handed foil to Mitch Moreland – that's certainly right. a good possibility, uh, and that's that's the minimum kind of thing. In the meantime, while you're waiting for that opportunity, there are worse places to land than Texas. Yeah, yeah, and that's trying to recover for his power hitter. Right. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, so much, so much interesting is going on. We and we're surely not finished talking about any of it. It's it's kind of an exciting time of year uh, to be talking off season baseball. That's uh, which is not always the case. Uh, yeah. So. Very excited, very excited to have Jason back on the program. Thank you for carving time out of your uh, stay in the sick bay, my friend, to uh, to join yeah, us. Talk I tried space. to hold up. I tried to hold up. You can tell my voice was going a little bit a couple of times, but it is what it is. Uh, hopefully everybody has a good rest of the holiday uh, season, whichever one of these holidays that you do celebrate. Hopefully it's with people you uh, uh, love and you can do all that kind of stuff. I know I'm looking forward to it. I've been having my first Christmas with all of my family up here in the Carolinas. Yes. <laughs> Yes, very, uh, very glad for that. And I want to uh, also wish everyone a happy holidays. But I, I believe we are going to try to get in one more podcast episode before uh, Christmas. Yeah, sometime hits. next week. So, um, and oh, are you guys going to try? I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, maybe. Yeah, that's that's been my aim. Uh, you know, I you know when I talked about it, it's it's going to be it's purely uh, if schedules allow. Um, and if you know if, if any of you out there do say, hey, you know what, I just wouldn't even listen or da 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 But I imagine that's not going to be the case. Most of you guys, if you're listening now, you would also listen on Monday or Tuesday. So sure. <laughs> not too worried about that. Yeah. Um, very excited to, to talk so many cool baseball transactions. Again, awesome to have Jason back. Uh, I am Nicholas Minix, and uh, thank you very much for joining us. Episode number 184 of The Sleeper and the Bust. See you. Boom.